five, four, three, two, one. There was an idea to bring together a group of remarkable people to see if they could become something more. See if they could work together when we needed them to. To fight the battles that we never could. incredible journey and I am here with my three wonderful co-hosts Tim and what were the other ones oh Scott and Justin how are you guys I'm excited for our quarterly show yay it is <laughs> yeah. quarterly hey, now. Hey, hey. <laughs> quarterly cosmos <laughs> you know and did we start out saying we like did a bunch of these uh up front we're like oh yeah we've got a good buffer we've got a lot in the bag we won't get oh. behind it'll be fine <laughs> we'll get it. Uh, uh, we were but children when we thought that. Oh yes, that was way back in phase one. That was way back <laughs> in the in the COVID times. <laughs> I don't even know when we started this show. <laughs> you would think that we have more time now since wrestling is weird, but somehow <laughs> still hard to get together. But we are finally here, and we have made it to what did I say? Third, third phase. Third phase. Yes, phase three. Phase three. All right. Uh, we're watching Guardians of the Galaxy vol- Volume 2. Um, so it has been a minute since mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't watch this. Uh, Tim, let's talk uh, your expectations and thoughts um, going into Guardians 2. I can't say that I had a whole lot. Um, I mean, similar to Guardians 1, where it wasn't like a favorite um, concept of mine. There no real personal favorite characters involved in it. Um, But as we talked about with respect to the first movie, uh, I think it surprised a lot of people was received very well. Um, I enjoyed it a lot and it's kind of one of those in the sequel. I'm, I mean, I hate to say just looking for more of the same, but it's kind of just looking for more of the same because I was like, I don't know how they take this and really um, push the, the, the momentum forward in terms of the driving plot now, which we understand to be the infinity stones. Um, there's a lot of cosmic shenanigans in this series of films, obviously. So are we going to, are we going to see another infinity stone? Are we going to get some more Thanos action? Um, is this even the right vehicle to, to explore these types of things, uh, given the tone, um, of this entire property and James Gunn's direction, certainly. So I was like, I don't know. I wasn't hanging my hat on anything um, in particular, just trying to keep an open mind and um, seeing where it would take us. What about you, Scott? 
Uh, I was I, in terms of like story, I had no expectation because I didn't really like we talked about back in uh, part one. I didn't really read the books, so I didn't know a lot of backstory. So in terms of story and, and how the over, you know, the overall story was advancing, I had no expectations. I was just excited in terms of tone. I was definitely uh, looking forward to a little levity because uh, after we had the levity of Ant-Man and then we had. Uh, as awesome as the movie was, obviously a very emotionally draining civil war. And then, uh, you know, we had the intro, the intro movie of uh, the origins movie of strange. So, uh, I was kind of excited for a tonal change and back to a little levity. Uh, cause I could, you know, you weren't going to get a totally serious movie out of this crew. So that's a good thing. Cause I think we needed a, a, a breather from that. Plus I always enjoy anything cosmic and in space. So we're kind of leaving, even though we were kind of with Doctor Strange already there, now we're really there again. So uh, we all love the characters from the first one. So I was excited in that aspect. But in terms of like the story, I had no expectations because I, again, one of the few Marvel uh, crews that I didn't know very well. So I, I was just expecting something really funny, uh, but uh, very action-filled at the same time. I'm kind of surprised that, the expectations weren't up because of the success of the first one and how much most people Mm -hmm. really loved the first one. Like for me, I felt the, the expectation was sort of high um, for them to deliver. And in a second part, like, you know, is this a one in, is this, was this magic in a bottle one time or can they continue? Um, Like with this, with this funny tone, like with the soundtrack, with the music and, and how cosmic it is. Um, and, and, but still, like you said, tie in the story and, and make it make sense in the larger picture. What about you, Justin? Yeah, I was looking forward to it. I've obviously liked the first one a good deal. Um, and I was like interested to see now them as a group, because in the first one it was really about them forming and we saw them obviously run as a group, but now like they're actually formed and they'll have a better grasp on the characters, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I was looking forward to this sequel for sure. And was this, outside of Iron Man, this is kind of our first, like, official sequel, right? I know, like, Civil War was kind of capped, but we talked about that quite a bit. That was more like an Avengers movie. So we haven't really seen any other, like, part twos, right, other than Iron Man. So, like, I was looking forward to that, too, to see, like, how oh, Winter Soldier. Fun. Yeah, I don't know. I guess the cap ones are just so weird to me that they feel like more ensemble. Like this felt like the, the mm-hmm. since Iron Man, this felt like the first actual like follow up mm-hmm. in the universe that solely exists for these people with no real other. There's Avengers. no crossover. Yeah, right. yeah. Uh, that's a good point. Sure, I agree with that. I guess I uh, could see that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which we kind of covered on the cap movies too, right? How it's weird that he never kind of does his own thing. Right? I mean, Thor didn't. Thor, the doo-doo shit world. Uh, didn't. Oh yeah. yeah, but, yeah, but yeah. that movie sucks. So I mean, it's pretty. Yeah. Way. All right. Well, my point's been neutralized. But anyway, <laughs> I was excited to see them build on the first one, um, to see them grow more. Like I think Drax was a big piece of it because right. that was such a breakout for Batista that first one to see like yep. his bravado how it would come off in the second one now, um, being more of like an established star versus just like kind of an unknown, which I, I think he was a bit going into that first one. So, um, the the other thing is I was you know curious who the always do the heels are right because outside of the big. Mm-hmm crossover movies where we kind of have the through line seeing who pops up as the bad guys in these individual stories is always interesting because I just don't know any of them. So, and I thought they did a good job masking it a bit in this one, as we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Scott, you, you were like, you know, you wanted some levity and stuff, but I think by the end of this, it gets way more emotional and like yes. in depth than anybody expected. Absolutely. And, um, you know, sort of spoilers. It, it's one of the reasons why I have trouble with this movie. Um, because when I went into it, I was, <laughs> I wanted to have fun, like you said, and then it just went all like super fucking like personal and like hit me in all of my issues. And I'm like, the fuck Marvel, <laughs> this is not what I wanted to do with this movie. I wanted the movie off for my uh, emotions. Yeah. Yes. No here. Yeah. The, they said, fuck you. Um, <laughs> and you know, I, I have an actual like story like an in theater story with this one too and i i normally mm. kind of don't but i'll get that uh to that at the end but so we kind of um we do a, a nice opening um, <clears throat> bit where we see quill's mom and quill's dad um <laughs> which is you which i'm not really saying in that scene right you don't really know i mean i, I don't know what the preview i mean i, I mean I was obvious in the previews but like to me i didn't i didn't no, for sure. I mean, uh, it's one of those. I think they had announced that Kurt Russell was g- going to be playing his dad, his dad, and was going to be somebody in the movie. We didn't know exactly how they were going to do it, but that's one of those like where they sort of you almost get spoiled for for the insider knowledge with these things today, where they mm-hmm. they right. keep like major plot twists under wraps, but they don't so much keep like actors and identities and characters under wraps as well mm-hmm. and it's like um would it have i don't know if this would have benefited from everybody just going in cold not knowing maybe knowing kurt russell's in it but what's he really going to do yeah. maybe people but I mean, and, and they do say who he is pretty early on though outside <laughs> of that first scene i mean mm-hmm. like within a few minutes of his arrival in the movie itself they pretty much yeah. he says who he is right so they don't be, yeah they, they don't take a lot of time getting yeah getting to that point um and then uh, another like really cool um opening feature of the movie is um we, we catch up with our crew and they're in the middle of a fight um what is the name of the thing um the sovereign the sovereign thing that they're race. fighting the the monster thingy oh oh abelisk. yeah the abelisk okay abelisk. <laughs> yes great great uh, opening fight scene mm. yeah I agree. it's, it's yeah, what, I don't get why that thing wanted to steal the batteries. It doesn't seem like it was yeah. very sentient. It seemed like like, a, <laughs> it was just like, like an animal. It seemed very I mean? organized in its thought. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna get these batteries. <laughs> Odd. Like so, I was waiting for there to be like someone controlling it that that it was guarding the batteries for, you know. Right, and then so that leads us into the introduction of the sovereign race, the gold, the gold members, as I called them, because they have a little <laughs> gold. gold. And yeah. Um, they get in trouble trying to steal those batteries because Rocket can't fucking help himself from being a thief. Um, and then, so the Sovereign, somebody talked to me about the Sovereign. I I wish I could, but my, like, MCU cosmic knowledge is more at a very intermediate level mm-hmm. than the more grounded Earth-based stuff. Um, I mean, their leader... Aisha is is a, a kind of a known character um, from Aisha. the comics, but I mean, it, it's Aisha. a very different. It, <laughs> it's a very different interpretation. Like she has a different. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and I'm not sure if the Sovereign were even a 
at least at the time of this movie that I mean they might have done something since then in the comics, but I don't think they were like an established like cosmic race in the in the books themselves. I do believe they were kind of original um to this film, at least the way they're presented here. Uh well, I did not know that. Actually, Tim, uh wasn't she Kismet? Yes. That was her, her. That was Aisha's name in the comics. Also, yeah. also known as her, her <laughs> Paragon. I just clicked on it because I had to refresh my memory because I knew I remember her from mm-hmm. something, and she it was Alpha Flight from the early nineties. But mm-hmm. I didn't know that till re- just recently. I I don't remember the the Sovereign Race at all. So I thought they were made up. Like I I gotta be. I, <laughs> it's happening. Good Lord. Oh God. Yeah, I, I got to be honest. A lot of these, the 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 um, the Guardians movies, I kind of went in kind of like Jr. because I, I I was very unfamiliar with a lot of uh, their lore and their story. So for the yeah. most part, anything I saw in these movies was new to me. So I, I just I looked them up after the fact, but I didn't read a lot of this stuff from. The they movie. were very uh, Stepford wives as well. The feel of the whole thing, like how they everything's created and manipulated, and yeah. I think. I do like the fact that they just run all via drone. Like, they're just operating the, these, this attack. Like um, a hive mind kind of thing. Yeah, it's just like, you know, they're controlling like it. Like the Borg. Like a 3D yeah. game or something. <laughs> the Borg, yes. <laughs> Except not as creepy. But yeah. It's part of that it, too. That is cool, yeah. Yeah. It's part of all this, too, is in exchange for the batteries, they were given Gamora's sister, sister Nebula. Now, this is the first one. We didn't see her in the first one, right, at all? Who? Is this her debut? Nebula? Yeah. she's in the first one. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, she, yep. <laughs> Jenny is like, what? <laughs> what? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you? I don't know. It's been a while. But, <laughs> but they're still not, they're still like kind of hating each other. You know, they're That's not right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. quite, yeah. quite sisters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I, I love Nebula in this movie. Anyway. Uh, yeah, I do too. Spoiler, me too. Yeah. So do um, I. And so they lean real heavy on the comedy with Drax in particular. But even again throughout the movie, it gets... Better. I think you know what I. I'm sorry, but to back up briefly, you mentioned Drax in the comedy. The scene with him diving into the the yes. abolist's mouth because he has to pierce its hide from Within. from the inside, yes. um, according to his logic. And Peter Quill's like, "No, it's not. It's just as it's just as thick on the inside as it is on the outside. What's he doing?" <laughs> one of the funniest that scene always possible i think it is one of the funniest moments in any of these it's movies really good. It, well it shows off their like immediate group chemistry too like mm-hmm. you can tell i mean the more an ensemble works together right the more comfortable they get with the, that the timing on that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and it is i think it's very improved in in this one compared to the first one um, a lot of it, yeah like i don't think they nail that joke in the first one you know what i mean like i think it it just came with the reps and the time of them working together Right. <laughs> um, so they get in this huge kind of drone battle, um, and they're almost fucked um, until a mysterious egg flies by with a dude on top of it. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly. Yeah. It looks like uh, an egg with a dude on it. Um, egg space. dude. Egg dude. By the way, so we much cool space fighting here with the drones and shit. No, they do it well, and it's actually. Um, a really good plant seeding, uh, <laughs> seeded plant, um, early on with when Drax goes out to fight 
like he goes out to fight, he puts that little spacesuit thing on mm-hmm. to like mm-hmm. establish how they can breathe outside. You know what I mean? Like so that True. yeah. It, it's just Great like a, a, it, it's not anything right that you no. think of now, but later right. it's gonna mean something. So it's kind of cool the way they throw that out there just to establish mm-hmm. what that thing is. Um but Jenny, one thing you didn't mention too is right mm-hmm. out of the gate, we got more uh classic yacht slash folk rock uh mm-hmm. to open us up we had brandy i think is in the very beginning right and i know yeah. it comes back later it's a big part of it yep. and then mr blue sky during the big fight with the uh abelisk yes with uh you got baby groot also introduced well Dancing. i guess we saw him yes so i'm at the tail end of uh the first one knew that he would have some kind of presence here and sure enough he um is not able to make uh, much of a positive contribution to that fight but pretty fun uh musical <laughs> montage mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and he somehow steals the entire movie uh, i'm sorry but baby group does this is the star of this movie <laughs> right um he's like baby yoda levels of uh love for me mm-hmm. I, I really wow love yeah that's a that's fun great i did uh, like them too uh like just back real quick to the sovereign when they're all like cheering on the other ones that mm-hmm. are doing the drones it did feel like um kids at an arcade or something yeah. <laughs> right? but they're yeah. all around the one person that's like yeah. hanging in still and cheering i agree on. yeah i agree i thought it was a good i thought i enjoyed it's the tone of like that Fortnite tournament or whatever shit they do now <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and they're all painted gold might be yeah. a suburban commando when oh Hulk god uh, <laughs> they're all just sitting in front of their screens they don't have to go anywhere yeah but it was good and then just the, that cut with like Drax is laughing like a maniac rocket quill bickering like they've done a good job of reminding us who these people are in the first 15 minutes or so of this and and you know it, the action just continues the guy on the egg in space um <laughs> uh kind of he I don't know what does he do like open a portal or do some bullshit I don't know what he mm-hmm. is and um so then they crash land it's pretty awesome crash landing on the mm-hmm. planet as well they do all kinds of cool shit during that scene and then as they land, Drax says, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> the ship just completely breaks apart. Right, yeah. We should mention that Rocket and Quill are bickering this entire time. Yes. Just having well, a dick I measuring mean, contest. Yeah, I mean, they're real assholes to each other. They are. Like, Big they time. really go for it in ways that is different from, like, other, like, this is not like a, a Steve Tony type competitive argument where right, they right, right. back for this is like they're really going for each other <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like they've been spending mm. too much time in quarantine or something together yeah they're yeah, just yeah. like sort of need a break from each other yeah mm-hmm. i agree with that um well i mean quill wants to be the leader but he i don't know he doesn't always make the right decisions and rocket sure. just wants to correct you know he just wants to cut to the chase so it's it's just well it's, quill's it's, also pretty insecure right in general well you know that's been portrayed obvious the daddy issues and mm-hmm. didn't have that uh attaboy or any of that stuff right so i think that's like uh that kind of is a thread throughout him right. as well that he's constantly looking for you know adoration or and who wants to get right. shown up by a raccoon exactly well, that's his face it Although he is quite badass. Yeah. Um, Although he's also an asshole. I mean, this whole oh, thing is. happens because he he had to steal the the batteries or whatever. And right. It's like, be a prick. This, yeah. We could have avoided all of this if you just weren't such a dickhead. Like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, pretty much. I think Rocket maybe has a hard time settling into this 
lifestyle that they have, you know, trying to be heroic. That's not super who he is. Yeah, he's such um, a miscreant. He they're kind of it. like the they're kind of like the um I mean I maybe I'm reaching here, but they're kind of like the cosmic version of the defenders, like, you know, Luke, you know, Cage and mm-hmm. Fist and like all of them. They're not comfortable in this like we're here to save the world kind of thing. They like they like being loners. They like cutting corners morally. So I, I when I when I real when I saw that little battle between the two of them and the ship, I thought to myself, it reminds me a lot of, you know, like Cage and you know Cage yeah. fist bitching and mm-hmm. and uh, you know Jessica Jones like that's that kind of dynamic where they they realize they have to work together to salt whatever, but deep down they still are loners. It's not in their nature. It's yeah. not in their nature. So I always find that. I always found that dynamic pretty fascinating that they're they're kind of the same except funnier. <laughs> like they although that back and forth was not funny. Well, funny a little bit. It, may, it was meant to be funny, but it they did go down like it's a, very biting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was definitely you can not, laugh at it, but then you sort of go, Oh damn, he kinda mm-hmm. kind of a lot of shade throwing here. So uh, they both they both cut quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, and then um, fucking Ego just steps out of the egg and is like, hey, guess what? I'm your dad. Um, so, and then they cut. It's like, <laughs> what? Okay. Um, yep. And then they cut to Yondu. Um, what planet is he on? Contraxia. Okay, yes. And it's pretty awesome. <laughs> like, it I think it looks like a lot, great, a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just it looks it's like fucking Bourbon Street or some shit. It's like all chaos and <laughs> Yandu is like basically in a fucking brothel, like zipping his yeah. pants up when he comes yeah. out. And then uh, I definitely pop out of shock when Sly Stallone fucking popped up as uh, yeah. uh that was so awesome. The other rebel leaders, over the fuck they are, um, absolutely awesome. Did you have that moment where you where you like had to second guess or question like <laughs> this movie type thing? Right, yeah. it was really heavy. <laughs> The real, the big stars and stuff like this. Yeah, yeah, I have mentioned that in the past, where I'm still not used to, like, the, mm-hmm. you know, having come up on the Netflix shows, but not used to, like, the big, big name people popping up in these movies like this, but... Well, especially, yeah, like, him and Glenn Close having such, mm-hmm. like, bit parts in these movies, and it's like, they have presence, but at the same time, they're not super important or anything. <laughs> it's just sort of like, oh, no, all right, it's such anywhere. a throwaway role. But, well, but he's pretty good at it because he he's, brings he the gravitas. It. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Like, he's awesome, and being the guy to like basically tell Yondu, like you're a piece of shit, and you know, here's why we no one likes you now. Um, and, and it's all based around Quill, right? That was one of the reasons why, right? Yeah, he was supposed to deliver him, and he didn't. He kept him. Right. Yeah. But it sounds like Quill wasn't the only one. Yeah, right? probably. Not. It's like I think they were running it for Ego, like all these other kids too. And whatever, for whatever reason, Quill was the one that they didn't, they finally realized. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they knew, like, what they were doing. You know what I mean? And that's, mm. that's Yondu's defense, right? We didn't really know what, what was going on. And they're saying right. you should never fuck with kids, basically. Quill got him out of the child trafficking game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, and that's all just kind of, like, super, um, it hints at all this history that we, have, I mean, Quill and Yondu had hinted at it a lot, but it's like this whole other little facet, you know, with Yondu and his tribe and he got kicked out for all that. And it's just instant backstory. Um, well, and even and, this too, with the, the man who would eventually be known as Taserface. Taserface. Yeah, Taserface. bitching about, um, you know, still bitching like years later about Quill being the favorite son, basically, right? Like he kind of was able to. Yandu let him do whatever he wanted at the expense of his loyal crew, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
one one quick mention to Uncle Jack. Yeah, we do see uh, Howard the Duck at one of the bars, which is funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that yeah, was which... oh, that was definitely a uh, that was a Marvel. That was an Easter egg wink. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's nice sense. to see that he he made his way back from whatever the collector. Yes. <laughs> yes. Into the yeah. first. Pretty much. Yeah. The uh, but the, and then uh, Aisha, they show up in the snow on the little in the snow. Yes, where yeah, it was great. Just so unexpectedly regal in this like dirt <laughs> in the snow and shit. Um. What? So. All right. And she's still pissed. After yeah, they, right. oh hell yeah, oh we're batteries, yeah we're batteries, yeah. And then half her fleet got wiped out by Eggman. Eggman, so yeah. She's like, uh uh-uh. uh. And so she basically hires him to find them, right? Oh. All right. So then we go back to um the planet, the crash planet, and um hear the entire backstory about what happened and. Why his dad left and the whole story. Um, and there's really funny stuff here too with Drax, who thought yes. Yondu was he, was Quill's dad. He's like, <laughs> we've been together all this time, and you really thought he was my dad. And he's like, you look just like each other. He's <laughs> like, what's blue? <laughs> exactly like. Well, and he's a literalist, so he doesn't yes. really right. get the concept of like an adopted or or a unless it's spelled out for him. It's like. He's just going to assume, yeah, dad's, that's your dad. Why am I, I going to question? It was, oh, you're really abducted and he's more of a father figure to you, not your, he's not going to go there mm-hmm. <laughs> in his head. So, so are we trusting him at this point or are we already um, suspicious? Ego? Yeah. Mm, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I thought they did a good job of like making it untrustworthy at first. But they really, mm-hmm. I guess I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but they really do a good job of building the trust mm-hmm. to where I thought maybe, like, okay, he is just going to be his dad and they're going to partner up and help each other. You know, what it like it felt like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe this is a thing. Like, they do a good job of dragging mm-hmm. it along. Not not too much, but just enough to make you think maybe it isn't going to be what you right. thought it was to start. And he also um, eventually reveals that um, he is a celestial, and Peter will also right. have that power, and that's basically why he's been looking for him, because he has something that he wants to accomplish, and he needs help with it. This um, also explains why Peter was able to survive mm-hmm. the climax of the first film when he Correct. actually yes. handled the uh, the power stone, which should have blown him apart. Did right. we talk much about the celestials in... Uh, no. Um, well, sort of. There was that scene with the, um, again, with the collector where he kind of explained the origin mm-hmm. of the Infinity Stones. Um, I can't remember if the term celestial was actually used, but when they do that little flashback, you do see them. Mm-hmm. And nowhere, where, nowhere is like the, the head of a, dead celestial i think oh yeah yeah that yeah that's yeah yeah so which is such an out there (laughs) yeah Yeah, cool idea so i mean we we've sort of been set up for it but i don't think we really know what 
a celestial is. <laughs> I, I could tell you I had no clue. Like, I just thought yeah. ego was a was a being. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like whatever. Cosmic. Like, to God. Yeah, like I didn't I didn't piece together that there was like others like him and this is like mm-hmm. a thing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I should get by now, right? I should know all these things come from the comics at <laughs> some level, but um, apparently not. Uh, I do like the potential right away too with Mantis and Drax. Like yes. right away they already have them kind of flirting and showing some potential as being relationship. Yeah, we meet Mantis, new character, which um, gives us some great stuff. You're right. Um, I really love her being an empath, um, and she really plays up that part. Like, I don't know this actress very well, but she does a very good job mm-hmm. um, doing that. Um, so she Gamor- embarrasses everyone. Yes, Drax hilarious. Very astute <laughs> point. An enthusiastic she, point. Em- she embarrassed you. Ah, ha, ha. I love Drax. <laughs> He's like a giant kid. <laughs> Batista kills that. He really does. He does. So good. So good. Um, and then Gamora, you know, Quill is just kind of like, what the fuck? Yeah, he's not buying it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's very weird, but Gamora sort of was like, let's see what he has to say, you know, why not find out? You know Um, what this sequence, I'm sorry to interrupt. No, it's Um, Because I don't know where else it's going to come into play. This whole sequence where... It's it's a lot of just like character interaction, right? Mm-hmm. And it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of a lot of downtime too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, not in a way that hurts the film. It, it's not like poorly paced or anything, but it's like we came out of the gate with a lot of action. Now we're sort of pumping the brakes a bit, getting these cool character moments. It kind of reminds me of <sighs> here I am making the Empire Strikes Back comparison. Mm-hmm. You know this. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is kind of the Empire Strikes Back of the Guardians of the Galaxy. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But what, what I will say is this whole sequence reminds me of the bit in Empire where Han and Leia and Chewie and everybody get to um, Cloud City. And it's just sort of like, oh, you meet Lando, who's in a way kind of enigmatic the way that... Um, Ego is here. Can he really mm. be trusted? We're learning some things. It's a very cool setting. Mm. Characters are off doing their own thing. There's all these little mini adventures. And I don't know. That's just what it reminded me of um, through this whole stretch in this middle section. I don't know if that was like intentional or just, you know, structurally it, it kind of um, echoes that. But that's what I've always thought of um, in this part like of the movie. It. I and I like I just, I really like it a lot too the way they do that. Well, and it it gives the insight too to Gamora and Peter's growing relationship because we haven't seen much too much of it, but mm-hmm. there's already like something there where she cares enough to say like, "Let's go find mm-hmm. out if this guy's your dad. He could yep. be your Hasselhoff, right?" Like it's kind of the, the, the comment, <laughs> yeah. and she's like, "Get it? If he's not, we'll just kill him. Like whatever. Like, but she's like, you owe it yourself to see. So it's like already showing them, you know, her feelings for him and where they stand. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of Han and Leia, of course. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so they go to um, Ego's home, I guess. Ego? I don't know. It's <laughs> sort of palace, <laughs> I guess, palace. Yeah, for lack of a better word. And so this, to me, because there's a lot of visually cool stuff in this movie, obviously, but to me this was one of the um, sort of unique parts about what they can do with the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. <laughs> it's like, he, he, 
I'm trying to think of how to describe the when he sets up the scenes, right? And and shows everything that happens. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's not pixelate. What 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 word am I looking for? Um, I know what you're getting at. I can't. Think yeah, of but I know what you mean though. Like, uh, it changes like um. As he speaks, like the resolution kind of yeah. thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Anyway, yeah. it's really cool to watch. No, yeah. and it does look awesome too. It's like visually super mm-hmm. impressive. It's stunning that they built. Yeah, yeah. But I can't think of the term. Either. And Quill confirms um, if he has this this great power. Um, and again, we get some very cool visual demonstrations of what that represents. Um, he's going to make some weird shit, which is a great line. Mm. I agree. Before that, though, too, we get like, uh, the big fight between Rocket and Yandu's gang where like, you just oh, fucked yeah. them all up in the dark. Yeah. Um, and actually I thought Yandu died. <laughs> I did. You know what? I did too. And it pit, I was so pissed. Yep. When he gets shot in the head. Yeah. Like I, I thought that was it. I even put it in my nose. I have rough ending for Yandu to go down like that. And then yeah. I never mind. He's alive. I, thought right exactly the same thing. I was so mad. I was like, Oh, I'm turning this movie off. Um, cause you, it's, it's sort of unclear whether, cause the, the thing on his head, the, um, apparatus i don't know what to call it it'll come into play later is like totally destroyed and i don't think this these movies have necessarily clarified whether that is you know part of his body or just a piece of equipment that he carries around it's like totally blown apart i also feel like there wasn't like enough of a setup as to whether he was going to be like a major part of it you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. in the first one he's not really you know and then I didn't see like again the trailers of the build to this, or so like, I gotta know if he was just like all right a bit player in the beginning and then he eats it and we move on from him for good. So um, I didn't realize how big of a role he would end up playing in the movie. So I definitely thought it was believable that he could just die as part of, part of this you know rocket booby trap that he set up across the woods, which is a fun scene with him. He just has it all rigged up because he yeah. kind of knew this could be coming. I always feel um, that way. I always feel that way about Michael Rooker characters in any movie. Like, I just think that's why I think he's an unheralded actor, because, uh, you know, you could take like uh, to use a tremendously great movie, Days of Thunder, as a as a as an example. You know, he was Rowdy Gaines and he was a dick to Cole Trickle. And then they become like best friends. And, you know, he becomes his mentor kind of thing. Michael Rooker's just good at that. Like he he'll show up in a movie as a character and you're like, oh, this guy's a dick. And then somehow just by happenstance or the way that he's written or how it's shot that he ends up being, like, a lovable guy. So maybe the original plan for the second, to go to your point, JR, about you weren't quite sure where you, where this character was going, that maybe he, you know, the fans enjoyed him enough in the first one, and James Gunn's like, oh, I can't really not put him in it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then mm-hmm. you got, you pretty much you got Sly as his boss, which, by the way, on a side note, we got that uh, long-awaited Tango and Cash sequel, even though they never really talked to each other. Cosmic Tango and Cash, Sly and uh, Corral. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> Tango and Cash 2, Cosmo oh, Wow. <laughs> holy shit, I, just, I never realized. I thought that like a few minutes ago. I'm like, holy fucking shit, Tango and Cash. But um, but yeah, JR, you make a good point about that because you know he, he was just, oh, it's Michael Rooker. He's in everything. But he always finds a way to chew the scenery and be a really exceptional character with what little you know sliver he gets. 
And that's why I think he got kind of more of a meaty, emotional role here uh, because the fans dug him so much. That happens a lot. I've noticed that happens a lot, particularly with these movies, that characters that you don't think of or, you know, Tim, the books you and I have read over the years Mm -hmm. where these characters are, yeah, they're kind of there. They're in a few pages here, a few pages there. But the, you know, in the MCU, obviously it's a different beast, different medium. And, uh, and they, they, they jump off the screen. And I feel that way about Michael Rooker here because you're like, I, you know, he was, he was the fucking douchebag scavenger guy in the first one. And eh, we probably won't show up again. And sure enough. And yeah, it's expanded. And I, and I really don't think, uh, to your point, JR, that I don't really think that he was meant whatever three years earlier or four years. Well, three years earlier, I guess. What was it? 2014. Yeah. Three years earlier that he was going to be such a pivotal part of this movie. I think, I feel like most of this movie was going to be about Quill and them with his dad. And it was going to be very focused on that and not really about this other secondary thing with Rocket and Yondu and all these guys. I feel like that was added or maybe kind of serpentined in because the fans were so positive about the Yondu character that they kind of expanded that secondary, that B story. Of the- uh, yeah, I could see it. He had such that, yeah. that great scene in the first one with the arrow, of course. And um, that got over yeah. big. But to be honest with you, I, I want to say that I'm trying to remember for some reason, the entire year of 2017 is a blur to me. Um, I think I had, <laughs> Temporary or uh, partial brain damage. Um, uh-huh. I, but I think it got spoiled. It got spoiled for me that he dies before going into this movie. Right. And um, so that's why I thought in this scene where he gets shot that that was just going to be it. I was like, oh, well, I heard he died. He just got his head blown off, basically. So yeah, pretty much. I was like, well, that's that. And then when they, you know, come back from it, it's like, oh, okay. He just got his his uh weapon he just lost his weapon basically he's he's okay i was like i kind of still knew he was gonna die but i was like at least he didn't go out like that right (laughs) they have a great argument too during that fight scene over the quarter of a million uh what's a quarter of a million it's a you know whatever 25 percent right (laughs) that's hard And it's Nebula that ends up making the save. She convinces Groot to release her to to make the save. But yeah, that's. I mean, the fact that she shoots Yondu too definitely makes you think like mm-hmm. that was it for him. And the way he falls, like it, it all felt very much like a death death scene yeah. for him. It did. Uh, we we missed one great musical in uh, interlude earlier when they're leaving to go to Ego's planet and they mm-hmm. play the chain by Fleetwood Mac. It's a great. Oh one. yeah, mark it out for the chain. Yeah, definitely. Always. I, I will, I guess, kind of say that perhaps controversially, I, I think I like the soundtrack to this better than the first one. I don't think it's well, controversial. No, I like the first one. I, I know it's controversial, but I, is it? I, I think the, I don't know, someone listens to the records like at least once every other weekend, both of them. Uh, do you? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's close. It's They're close. both really great. The chain wants to take it once, away, but. I think it does for me. I, I, yeah, I kind of think that's. It's what puts it over? Uh, I, I like. There were some good cuts. I love the chain. I love uh, uh, looking glass. But that first soundtrack, Redbone, and yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's it's. First I mean, that's, there, yeah, that, that that first one's killer. It's killer. This the second one's real. I was going to ask that actually later in the later in the show mm-hmm. about what everyone thought of the two soundtracks. But ah, uh, the first one's so damn good. It really is. Just too much of a mark for the Mac man. <laughs> hey. Chain's a great song. It was a good choice. I mean, you could, I mean, there's a lot of 
of good Mac songs you could have used, but that one had a good rhythmic pace to the, you know, mm -hmm. to the ship and getting there and the, the feeling of the scene. And it's pretty mm -hmm. good. It's pretty good. It was a good choice there. Yeah. Well, um, Yondu's crew ends up turning on him, right? So we get this little mutiny situation because he, re he refuses to give up Quill. Yeah, and, if, and he spins it, right? He's like, why would we want to be the one? You know, we'll have the whole army after us or whatever if we take them out. And they, they call him out right away, right? <laughs> They're basically like, yeah. no, it's just Quill mm -hmm. again. You won't, you know, he won't betray him for whatever reason, no matter how many times Quill fucks him over. Mm. They're tired of this bullshit. Right. So we get, uh, we, we meet uh, the Lieutenant Craglin. Was he in the first one? Um <laughs> Maybe, but not speaking. Not, really. yeah, maybe not in a large role. And of the the previously mentioned Taser Face. <laughs> yeah, um, those are the two key members of the the crew. Uh -huh. mm. I, I'll say this: um, I, I I might sound like an asshole. It's fine. Um, <laughs> I do think that this movie is a little bit too in love with the Taser Face joke. Like, mm. it's funny, but. We get it, you know. They did. They did stretch it a few minutes too long. I, I, yeah, a few moments later, too much. Yeah, I agree. With it's like, it is a funny name. It is. You made your point, but we don't have to do. We don't have to keep doing this. It's not that funny. Yeah, particularly for like a tertiary character. It's yeah. You're, we're good. I agree with that. And it's like maybe if they had kept doing it, like it, it maybe maybe would have reached that point where. It, becomes absurdly funny again because they just won't let it go but it never got to that sweet spot for me i guess mm -hmm. yep so you got ego pretty much walks through his whole history of how he came to be and how everything came to be um to me the highlight is drax saying his dad told the story of his conception at the winter solstice every year <laughs> which is a great line <laughs> that was good and the whole background again i wonder I how that story went <laughs> The whole, Very detailed, uh, I'm sure. Yeah, right. Very literal. <laughs> and again, all this really sets up the uh, well, and then Drax like being like, "Why? Why would you want to know?" Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, the whole thing explains again why why Quill can hold the could hold the soul sto or the uh, power stone in the last movie mm -hmm. with this uh, <laughs> celestial being inside of him. But yes. I, I thought at this point it was cool to actually for the first time. I feel like we didn't have a deadbeat dad scenario in one of these movies or whatever because. True. You know, it's just them playing catch or whatever or talking. I'm like, I think at this point I was kind of rooting for him to just be good. Like, not. Not screw Quill over. Yeah. Like, yeah, I was but... hoping for. I was hoping yeah. for more at this point because they were playing it up so well with mm -hmm. having them be bonded or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not to be, is it? <laughs> no, definitely not. Nope. nope. Um, so are we at the the best scene in the movie yet? Um <laughs> the, best scene the, movie. the best scene in the movie, spoiler alert, is the prison breakout or the okay. escape. Escape from mm -hmm. lockdown. With Yondu and, and, and yes, Rocket and, and Rocket group. and Baby Group. <laughs> it's so long, it takes forever. It's <laughs> yes. so fucking funny. Um, in that they asked Baby Groot <laughs> to do anything, right? <laughs> to go and get shit, and he brings them everything, but <laughs> is the best. I will never, ever, ever not laugh. And it just keeps going, and it's never not funny. And they're so patient with him, too. Yes. 
which is kind of not so like fucking that. adorable. How could you not be? And that's offset by like Nebula's pure angst and insanity. She's like, <laughs> yes. no fucking issues. Yes, she's just like, uh. And then, but Rocket and Yondu have a good conversation there. Mm-hmm. Um, in the yeah. in the little, they have kind of like a real scene. moment, right? They do, yeah. Oh my god, um, I'm sorry, I got distracted by Baby Groot. <laughs> How, why, point, how would yes, you? They yeah. eventually do get it together. Yes. And uh, Yondu, I guess it's a, he says it's a prototype um, mm-hmm. uh, of this funny hat, basically, that he wears to control yep. his uh, arrow. <laughs> <laughs> and then they bust out. Stuff. What's the song when they're busting out and blowing shit up? Ooh. Look at the soundtrack. Bring it on home to me, maybe? No, that was earlier. That's a slow song. Um, yeah, I don't know. What was it? Listen. Oh, is it coming a little bit closer? Oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so such a fun fucking song set to all this yeah. goddamn destruction. So awesome. And he kills like minimum 500 people. I like. mean, just, just <laughs> fucking rampage is so awesome. And because he doesn't have to do anything but whistle, and that arrow just. Just murders <laughs> And we do get more subtle setup for later. Oh, not really subtle, but setup for later when they release all of the the guys that are loyal to Yondu yes. uh, into space. And it shows like what happens when these people get thrown into space. And that sets up later as well. Mm-hmm. I, it's. I really love the prison escape scene from the first one, but this one might be better. I know. I don't know. It, it's tough. Um, it's just Yondu stealing the show in both movies, really. Yeah, so, it, it's mm-hmm. it's great. The uh, all right, that's our show then. Uh, <laughs> up. We did it in there too somewhere. We do have Drax telling Mantis that she's horrifying and ugly, and oh, yes. oh right, you know, beautiful people will never know who to trust, but because she's so ugly, <laughs> whatever. Like, it's <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> rough. Oh. Yeah, he went in art. That was yeah, what a was sweet brutal. talker. Hmm. Jesus. She's just sort of like she's she's like I'm my feelings are kind of hurt, but also I'm not sure if I have feelings, so <laughs> well just very confused overall. Um is this the scene so they get in the ship to escape and then they start doing the whole weird scene where they go through all the dimensions or whatever the fuck they're doing, like hyperspace oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and their, their faces, faces are all, all like, Oh yeah. That was a sort of odd, trippy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Very Roger Rabbit-ish. Yeah. <laughs> like sort of out of, out of place in yeah. the tone of the whole rest of the movie. But I agree with you on that. Yeah. Definitely uh-huh. out of film. It adds to the comedy, I think. And, um, I think maybe yeah. <laughs> yeah. Prior to that escape, though, because Tim, back to your point about the taser face, um, it does eventually. But the scene where Rocket's roasting them is pretty. Mm-hmm. Like if they left it at that, would have been good. Right. Right. Uh, I think where they took it too far. Like is, at them. Yeah. Yeah. Where um, Aisha and the Sovereign are all cracking up. It's like all right. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. We already made this joke. We don't. <laughs> Yeah, they they could have left it at the rocket stuff, and right, that right. would have been fine. Um, so yeah, well, 
when do we get the the pretty cool scene between Nebula and Gamora? Th- like in the cave. Th- I think that's a little bit later. Yeah. Um, Gamora and Peter well, have they're... a fight too. Yeah. Because and... I think that sh- she's becoming suspicious. <laughs> right. Yeah. But she's the one that convinced him to do this. So he's like, what the fuck, so man? You told yeah, me to really do this, and thing. now I'm doing it, and now you're like, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the ship comes and shoot, tries to shoot Gamora. She's, uh, I think that's yes. Nebula. Yes. Yeah, in the in the escape ship. Right. I really love that scene, too. Yeah, it's really cool. The, and, she, and Nebula has a comically oversized gun that's like larger than she is, which yeah. is like such a comic, it's such a visual, like, comic book thing to do, but that you can only sort of get away with in this type of MCU movie. Mm-hmm. What do you like about the cave scene? Um, Just that it, it speaks so directly to their relationship um and it's like a very action-packed scene but also gives us a a cool character moment between the two of them because that's like the language of their relationship is competition and violence (laughs) that's just sort of the only way that they know how to interact with one another and like they they've just been pitted against each other their entire lives and Mm -hmm. They just both have this, I mean, Gamora first, but now Nebula is sort of rounding that corner as well, where she's she's no longer loyal to Thanos either, and is just realizing we don't have to keep doing this. Like mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. there's nothing, there's no nobody else is forcing us to interact in this way. Like we can we can forge a different path. And they just sort of come to that understanding. And it's like, oh, <laughs> And um, after literally trying to kill each other over and oh, over yeah. and over just, again. I mean, just, she just blows up the entire ship with that giant gun. Yeah, <laughs> because like, that's what's normal to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's so creepy the way Gamora crawls out of that. <laughs> yeah, that she, and she is fucked up. She is real fucked up. And this is the, where we get the most like talk about Thanos, too, in all these movies to date. Like they bring him, you know, that she's adored Thanos. She says, She's yep. going to kill Gamora and then go kill him. So, like, this is the most exposition around Thanos we've really had so far, too. Mm-hmm. And this, this is when they yeah, discover the truth about Ego. Mm-hmm. All, all the skulls in the cave. Which, oh, God. Yeah. I mean, you know, I feel like that was like, you didn't try very hard <laughs> to hide <laughs> Well, I mean, probably right. didn't figure anyone's really going to make their way there, um, but yeah. You never know. <laughs> and it's kind of it's like millions too. and millions of bones. <laughs> yeah, well, he seats like so above it that he's just indifferent to yeah to right the horror that like a human being sees this and is like utterly stupefied and he's he's just so like whatever it's just bones. I mean, what's your problem? <laughs> yeah, and then throughout it's all this, Quill is, Quill is learning his new powers and mm-hmm. says he's gonna make some cool shit. <laughs> now he knows he can kind of create shit from his hands. Yeah. What would you guys do with that power? I'd make weird shit too. I'm not gonna lie. Like what? Um, I would I would make a a literal Mount Rushmore to represent every episode <laughs> of making Mount Rushmore. <laughs> That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> as a as a tribute to our friend Andy. 
Love it. <laughs> and they would all be in different. They wouldn't just be like side by side. They'd all be in different places. I'd create world. a new robe for Eric Eels. Oh. Silk. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, from there, then we get the real. I'd say I, I what I think is one of the worst. We've had some bad stuff that we talked about in these movies, but I think one of the worst reveals, um, as far as this like awful things to have done, is we find out that Ego gave Peter's mother brain cancer, yeah, um, because he was worried that when the time came to bring Quill back and use him for his plan, uh, that she'd be a distraction in the way. So he basically has her kill, you know, kills her, and Peter just fucking snaps when yeah. he figures that out. Well, but that's yeah. like an insane level <laughs> to go to. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to be honest. This is where, and you mentioned it earlier, Jenny, about like the the, the tone changing. Mm-hmm. You know, I get the. I, you know, it's one thing to admit that yeah, I knocked up women all over the fucking galaxy to make kids, and they were useless, so I killed them and dumped them in my you know celestial garbage dump. But <laughs> but then I fucking killed your mom too because she was a pain in the ass. Like what? Not even <laughs> like, a pain in the ass. Basically, just. I didn't want her to get in the way of my master plan, so mm-hmm. I just so, gave her gave her like an awful disease instead of just killing her, yeah. like let her fucking wither away with this like, terrible disease. Or hell, like including her in the plan. Like there's no reason, right? Right. He couldn't have just brought her along. Like it's. But instead, it's just. I mean, it's. But like Jenny said, like here we are, kind of a you know, you know, it's 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 a moderately serious tone, but not enough for you to. To, to feel like the movie's taking a left turn. And then this comes out and you're like, whoa, what the fuck? Like, it, like it was so jarring. Like, my God, like, like JR said, you know, he, she could have got hit by lightning or had a fucking, you know, spaceship land on her or something, but you made her like wither away and pain and dying. And like, what right. The fuck, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's just jarring. And, and, and that's to what Jenny's point was earlier. Like, my God, what the fuck? I thought this was like the movie I get to take my emotions off. Like I could mm-hmm. just laugh at shit and like, what? Like and that I, was crazy. Crazy. I, I just think that um, it makes it unrealistic to me. Well, it's, it's, I get it because it just seems like, look, he's like, look, I'm your dad. And then he spends like a day playing baseball with them, whatever, with their new powers. And then <laughs> guess what? Yes. Guess what? I killed your mom and I'm going to use our power to you know take over whatever whatever his plan is and it just seems like he should have waited you know built the trust mm. more um but he just kind of got ahead of himself <laughs> well i think it shows he probably knew she was starting to come apart yeah. like they found the bones yeah mance is a ticket time bomb i mean she almost told drax as it is earlier in the movie before she got interrupted so like i think I, he probably I, knew he was on a limited clock you know I think that also speaks to just his inhumanity where yep. it's like, yeah, I know he's not going to like this, but what's the big deal? Really? She's just some human. It's whatever. Like he, he right. doesn't really get that. Yeah. That just the horror, the abject horror of, of what he's done. It's it, again, he's just sort of above these, these concepts of good and evil. It's just, he does what he does and, he doesn't think anything has any real moral value. He mm-hmm. doesn't factor it into his his uh, mentality or his decision making at all. It's he knows that humans are motivated by these things, but he doesn't really understand it. It seems like. But he wants to create life, though. Isn't that what he wants to do? I don't know. I think it's rather unclear exactly yeah, what he. It wants is definitely to do. convoluted. I agree with that. It's definitely um, convoluted. 
he, and, he seems to want to spread his influence throughout the universe. So he, he's got some kind of, I don't know. He, he wants to remake it, everything for him. Um, I think it's almost like a self-preservation kind of. Drive. Yeah. He said he wants to, uh, he played ceilings and thousands of worlds. Mm-hmm. Uh, that performs the new extensions himself. Mm-hmm. But only the power of two celestials can activate them, right? So all those we saw in that first scene, he put that little plant behind mm-hmm. the Dairy Queen or whatever the fuck. Yeah, yeah um, he's got little. He seeded this literally, yeah, so literally throughout the. Once yeah. he activates them, like his seeds come alive and like take over these other planets, basically. Mm-hmm. So then he's all over the place. So he is then everywhere. Yeah. Um, do you do we think any of the past children that he's tried to use to do this is um? said absolutely not and that's how they got killed and no uh, i think the it seems like they're saying they didn't have the power to do it they didn't have the power yeah they just he didn't really went up in flames <laughs> yeah for familial purposes so he just kind of tossed them seems like peter got more of the celestial item than the others perhaps yeah. that's why hmm. that's interesting. yeah i don't think that peter has to necessarily be a willing participant he just has to be able to have the power it. yeah so, harness yeah. the, okay. the whether he wants to do it or not is irrelevant yeah that's a good point because he, I mean, after he, after this big reveal, I mean, he immediately lights him up with like a million um, laser bullets, whatever yeah. call it. And yeah. It's sort of a great like T one thousand effect. Oh yeah, yeah. But ego is sort of like, eh, shrugs it off. Yeah, and then we get the big escape scene basically where they're like constantly arguing while they're trying to escape and that, that's always funny too and then um you get them like looking for the the tape for the button was funny we keep asking if you have any tape you um back and forth i swear there's tape in there i don't have any tape <laughs> <laughs> and then there's this like really emotional scene between yondu and rocket too um where Yondu talks about his parents selling him into slavery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, it just all gets like real, real daddy issues? <laughs> towards yeah. the end. Like, we weren't expecting uh, daddy issues too. Yeah. yeah. Like, everybody had them. <laughs> I didn't think we were going to spill them all out in this movie. It was, it was really yeah. crazy. Really crazy how, how the tone changed, like at the drop of a dime. It was really nuts. Nothing I expected. It gets very, very CGI, um, and, yep. you know, which is funny to say, like in a movie like this. But it, it, I feel like the the CGI, as impressive as it is throughout most of the movie, the ending is a little bit weird. Because mm. um, it's like mostly just fire, right? Just yeah, um, it's like it's all like like a jelly, like it comes out from under the the fucking Dairy Queen or whatever, and it just I don't know, it's weird. It's kind of like, a, you know, in, in a Star Trek movie or show when they start, when the ship flies through one of those weird thunderstorms in space kind of things. Right. right. And you're just sort of like, oh, let's go with this. Um, but it, but it's not really what is holding our attention, I guess. So I, I'm kind of forgiving of it since that's not really the centerpiece. It's more the the team and the family coming back together and having to um you know think on their feet and and uh mm-hmm. not only escape but you know somehow put a stop to this mad god essentially this you know ragtag band of misfits up against a celestial who is 
again, just like mm-hmm. onto a god. So what are they going to really do? Um, and I think it's very good CGI for the most part. So that that definitely helps. If this had been if this has been very poorly rendered, uh, mm-hmm. like it would take me out of it. But I don't know. I was kind of on board with this climax. Yeah, I think it was a good fight. Because um, and again, you get the the humor kind of layered in throughout it with them. Bitch yeah. back and forth, looking for the tape. Drax and Mantis, they got their thing going on. Remember that chick Aisha when they show up? So it's like, it's like a lot going on all at it's once. It's a lot. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's but they have a big enough crew and and defined characters to handle like a multifaceted fight scene like that. Right. And Yondu and Peter, once they are back together, they just start talking about their history in the middle mm-hmm. of the fight. Yes. <laughs> yep. Like, right. <laughs> I'm like, can we just fight and not talk about our feelings um, during the fight? Right. And then you get the, the probably one of the most memorable moments of this movie, I would assume um, with Yondu coming down with the fucking umbrella. (laughs) And uh, Quill says, you look like Mary Poppins. Is is he cool? Yeah. Hell yeah. He's cool. I'm Mary Poppins. (laughs) Y'all. It was good. It was really well done. Yeah. Funny. And then, uh, yeah, I, I thought, I just thought they did a good job, like layering in the sense of dread throughout the movie, uh, throughout that scene too. Like it really felt like something bad could happen at any moment to any of them. <laughs> like no, you never, I didn't ever get the feeling that they were all going to escape and be happy in the end. Like it, it definitely felt they did a good job making you feel like this was like teetering on the brink quite a bit. And that was saying something because it was like that in the first one too. Mm-hmm. at the end and i mean mm-hmm. we end up you know Groot ends up basically sacrificing himself mm-hmm. but it de- definitely feels like there's like very heavy stakes throughout that whole fight heavy feelings too throughout the fight oh was, yeah. uh jenny was trying to avoid right i can't even yeah. have a cool action scene without y'all talking about your father-son relationship <laughs> Jesus well Christ. what's the line something about um he might have made you but he ain't your daddy your daddy yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, I mean, that's what this whole that. series has been about, really. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. And to be honest with you, I i mean, Jenny, you know this about me, but I'm the type of person that I, I usually roll my eyes at mm. dad feelings in movies. Mm-hmm. I just think it's cliche and stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really like the way that they, they handle it here in this movie. Number one, because it is so unexpected. And in a series that is, has been sort of like afraid to like not really afraid but um less willing to to really engage with like real feelings mm-hmm. in favor of just making a dick joke you know mm-hmm. to to skirt around that like it gets really sincere like mm, quite. <laughs> and in a way that it it's it doesn't feel shoehorned or forced it's like it, it just feels real and um I'm like, damn! I didn't think I was gonna get that here, and um, it, it was too real. It was too real. I, and, I liked it. Um, so when I'm watching this movie, I'm with um my friend Miranda, and she had lost her dad not long before that. So oh, wow, she is beside me because at this point, you know, Yondu and all this is happening, and it's a lot, and I'm already dealing with my own shit, and then she's over here beside me crying. And so I'm like trying to like comfort her as well. Um, Cause obviously I can tell she's having a hard time with it. So um, it just, that whole thing just sort of makes this movie not one of those ones that I can sort of always 
except for that one scene, which is the best scene in the MCU, except for Tony's thing. But <laughs> um, <laughs> at this point in the movie, like when we're reaching the climax, I'm like, all right, well, time to go to bed. Like, to I'm just up. like, yeah. I'm not trying to watch the end of this, <laughs> even though it's very beautiful um, and and fitting and wonderful. Like it is very beautiful at the end. But well, and that's been Quill's cool, whole. St- like his whole character has been based around, like I said earlier, like mm-hmm. this lack of a father figure when in the end he had it all like he, he had this actual very dedicated father figure mm-hmm. who uh, was there for him. And just like, they never, neither of them really put it together. Right. Uh, until it's almost too late, which I mean, the end is, I think it's tremendous with mm-hmm. Yonder's full redemption that I've been building throughout the movie, mm-hmm. you know, him saying, I'm your daddy. And then, you know, giving up the one last, like we mentioned earlier, the little spacesuit thing that you can throw on and protect yourself and breathe. He gives it up for mm-hmm. Peter to survive, and then he uh, ends up space freezing, I guess. And, and, and Peter has to yeah. watch it happen, um, which is yeah. horrific. Right. So I he mean, watched both his dads die in the matter yes, of like 10, uh, 10 minutes. Right. So that's a lot. I mean, <laughs> I thought it was, um, it, it's, it's tough for me because I'll talk about my feelings overall with the last scene, but. Like it means so much the way they do it, but I also thought like they didn't really need to have him die. <laughs> like, I, like, I think there's probably too. more to this. I thought there was more to the story. Like they could have redeemed mm-hmm. him, and all the sacrifice he made to get to that point was probably enough to have him last like another movie and and have him like be with Peter a little bit versus taking both of those things away from Peter, mm-hmm. like immediately. Like he just thought he found his dad, which he did. Then it turns out he's a psycho and he kills him. And then the guy who finds out he really was his dad all along dies too because of it. It's just, it felt like they probably could have, um, I don't know. Yeah, I feel they like doubled probably, down yeah. the empire yeah, I get what you're feeling. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really have to kill him off. But that said, it was, it was great. Um, the scene was really well done. And it was a fake out too because Nebula also kind of gets the redemption with her save. And you, at that point, like you're kind of thinking, like it could have been either her or Yondu. That dies. You know what I mean? As part of it. Yeah. Because both of them have sort of like completed their narrative arcs, right? They've they've completed their hero's journey, so to speak. And I'm, I think I've said this before. I'm type person when I watch, especially a movie like this, where it's just an ongoing serialized saga kind of thing. I don't really believe in the idea of any character's story really being over. And even if it is like, why does that mean you just have to like fucking kill them? It's like, well, that's it. You did what you were supposed to. You got to die now. <laughs> like, it's such a, I don't know, cynical way of looking at characters. Like, give them a new story, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do something else with them. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of with you there. Um, maybe they just felt like if if they've done that for both these characters, for Nebula and Yondu, then, I don't know, there's not room for both. Like, one of them's got to go. <laughs> like, I don't yeah, know. I think that's exactly what it was. That one of them... <laughs> And they set it up that it could have been either that was going to sacrifice himself, right? And yeah. obviously Nebula doesn't because she's going to play a big role later. But right. um, yeah, I just I feel like maybe you could have done either. <laughs> versus, but sure. that does sure. that, that said, I think it does pay off to one of what will end up being one of my favorite scenes um, in history in an all time great, not even just MCU movie. Like it's one of my all time favorite movie endings of all time, and it actually raised the grade to me was the Ravager funeral, which I thought was like amazingly done. I agree. Um, it was so well earned throughout it. And 
all the stuff with Stallone in the first scene on the you know crazy planet and talk about how he disgraced himself and everything else and then because of the way he did come to a honorable end they send the word out and then they all come and pay their respects so he kind of got what he you know wanted in mm-hmm. in the end but um that moment where they realized that they're all coming was like unbelievable like this is really really good I, I thought it was amazingly done and for a while this grade for me sat a little bit higher than it ended up being we'll talk about that after but because of that finish okay very cool yeah i, I, I love that too. Uh, yeah I yeah do too. it's sort of a space fireworks show right <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah just i mean i kind of think if you're not getting choked up through that scene you you know you're not really mm-hmm. breathing you know so it's yeah. like it was just it you was really really well done it yeah. was like you know i remember exactly where i was i was on the fucking elliptical at the gym like like right, dying and watching it. I was like, oh my god, this is like insane. Um, how great it is! All that adrenaline now, all this, all these feelings are pouring out of you. Also, sweat, blood, <laughs> tears, semen. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but it, it it somehow ends so sadly, yet sort of optimistically. Mm. Um, so I guess that's good. I mean, they don't want to totally destroy you. <laughs> Although, uh, a lot of us walked out very, um, <laughs> destroyed. destroyed. But he does end up with Gamora, so like, it's like they didn't take yeah. that from You know, so yeah. it's like, yeah. um, you know, I think it's funny because in the end, I don't think you think of, you think of all these other characters that are making these sacrifices in these movies and the tragic ones, but like, I feel like Quill gets overlooked. <laughs> it's like maybe one of the most tragic in, in the MCU by the well, end. Here's the um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Especially by the end of Endgame. You know what I mean? It's like, right, oh, yeah. yeah. The thing of that is, I sort of, I mean, we're not there yet, but part of my feelings about Infinity War, um, <laughs> trying not to get into a whole, let's just say i feel like um this movie was a lot of like major character development for quill mm-hmm. where he he sort mm-hmm. of it's been a, a real learning experience for him where he can now no longer sort of fall back on the excuse of oh i, I didn't have yeah i don't know my models and I, I didn't have a, a father or a mother to, like I, I can't just be locked into that place of arrested development that I was mm-hmm. because really I did have a father figure and I need to just let go of a lot of this immaturity and grow. Right. I don't know. I feel like they sort of walked a lot of that back by the time we get to infinity war, but that's a different movie that mm. is not going to, it's not going to, let me put it this way. It's not going to impact my rating of this film. Do you think it's a little stiffler, you know, where you like kind of, Figures it out at the end of America Pie 2, but by... And then they regress the character. Yeah, kind of. But it will impact my grade for Infinity War. Just saying. Yeah, we know. (laughs) We also get Drax by Manta. She's beautiful on the inside, which was a good payoff. (laughs) Yes. Um, True, yes. And then a lot of great credit scenes in this, too. Um, Oh, we get a lot, yeah. 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 You kind of get the teenage Groot. Mm Mm-hmm. Being a dick. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Being super annoying, and then um, the sovereign <laughs> um, creates something. Yes. Oh yeah. Adam. Yeah, call him Adam. Yep. Yeah. So and it, that was. It sounded like so Adam Warlock was supposed to be a big part of this movie, right? And then they decided it was like too much, and they were just going to tease him. 
for a future one instead. I think that yeah, kind of works. Anything will come of that, really. I think so. I think so. I mean, yeah. I don't think James Gunn would have done it if he didn't. Like, I know he kind of walked away and now he's come back. Like, there's no reason they can't do it. So, I don't Is know that why he's. Is that what y'all put... want to see in a third? Yes, I do. It seems like the natural setup because this yeah. one ends with them without, like, they're still not done, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's the one payoff we didn't really fully get. I think that'll probably be where that goes, I would think. But... Yeah, well, it's interesting because, I mean, talk about the hero's journey and what somebody's like character arc is Adam Warlock's was always about coming into conflict with Thanos in some form or fashion, basically. Right. And now that, I mean, we've totally dispensed with all that. So he's going to have, he will need a completely different purpose. If in fact they do revisit this character. Yeah. It seems because they ended up, Anyway, from what I read, he was supposed to be in this movie, and that they said it was just too much with him and Nebula and everything going on. Like, it sounds yeah, like yeah, I can't imagine part. that. <laughs> yeah. So it, yeah. that is a lot. Yeah, so I mean, maybe toss him in the credits to set him up for the future. Maybe the idea would have been instead of the Sovereign, like just sending Yondu after. I think that's the what Guardians. it's going to be with something like that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. they use Adam Warlock, and he. Yeah, I guess I could see that, but it is. I don't know. That is a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, all right. Do we have any final thoughts before we do our awards and rankings? Definitely much more uh, emotional the last, like, 45 minutes or whatever of this movie than I think we anticipated. But I feel like they wanted to clean everybody's slate to prepare for what's <clears throat> going to come later, uh, which is why I think they got rid of the father storyline with him with peter and then getting rid of yondu i thought was i would admit was a bit much but maybe they just wanted to because he would have been pretty good for the later stuff um i i definitely thought them going in this emotional direction in the last like hour and 45 minutes was was definitely jarring but definitely necessary and to be honest uh as jr mentioned that incredible funeral scene for Yondu at the end mm-hmm. I don't think would have had that same pathos if the movie didn't have all of that build to that so as much as it was probably hard to watch in a sense that we weren't ready for it I think that made the ending that much better and I think that's why JR like you said it it it, it pulled from you because um, it had been building for that last hour starting with yeah your mom was kind of a getting in the way of stuff. So I killed her slowly and painfully right. for the rest of her life. Mm. Oh fuck. You know, and then the talk with him and Yondu in the thing, and it just, it just was building to the point where now, oh my God, Yondu, who, as we mentioned, talked about earlier in the first movie was just a, a you know, ravager. Um, now here you, you have his, what was, what was going on in his head the whole time. And just when you feel accepting of him, he's gone. And that made that ending funeral scene yeah. just amazing. So as as emotional as that last 45 minutes was that we probably weren't expecting to have to process, it definitely made the 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 payoff emotion emotionally, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. that much better. I like the post credit scene too with the uh, Stallone. It's like it's like a Bizarro Guardians. Yeah, yeah. it's like oh, glad we're all back together. What if they'll be in the third one too? Like an I will pilot. I will say that. Um, Peter's, you know, newfound celestial power is 
kind of forgotten by the well, end. Well, I think it. So it does in Wikipedia. It does say that with <laughs> ego blowing up, that takes it away from him. Kind of canceled it out. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, now he's okay. just like a normal. Because yeah, I, I think he even says it to him when they're fighting. Like, if you do this, like you're not going to be like a celestial being anymore. Like, oh, you know, okay. You, I missed that. Apparently. Yeah. yeah. I must have been dishes. sobbing incoherently. Yeah. <laughs> and he's yeah. kind of like, I don't give a shit. You know. Um, okay. Well, that makes more sense. Yeah. Um, I'll just yeah, I'll just say um, part of the reason maybe I, I wasn't as hyped going into this sequel. Um, as others, is that I wasn't really as high on the first film as, as other people. Not that I dislike mm-hmm. it, not, not mm-hmm. by any means. I, I like that movie quite a bit, but I'm just not as high on Guardians in the overall scheme of the mm-hmm. MCU. So just sort of like, okay, doing a sequel, probably be more of the same thing here again. Um, but this was the type of movie that I, I think it won me over as it went on. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the sense that we got a lot of fleshing out of these these characters and just cultivated more of a sense of overall goodwill in me towards these characters. I felt like I knew them a lot better mm-hmm. and liked them a lot more by the end of this movie um, as opposed to that, that first one where it's kind of more about getting the band together and more kind of surface level stuff. This really digs into some things and made me feel feelings, <laughs> which not everyone I understand is, is uh, on board with totally get it. Maybe that's not what you want out of this type of, of movie. But for me, who was sort of thinking, all right, let me strap myself in for like a 140 minute dick joke, basically, <laughs> which, you know, you really run the risk of with, with something like this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think there are inferior examples of this sort of tone where it is just that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was, um, very well crafted and supported by some, a great cast and, and tremendous, uh, performances put in all around. Like there's no, like who's the weakest actor in this? Like it's, oh. I, everybody's i don't know yeah they're all pretty great everybody nails it it'd be uh, interesting too how they set up the third one given like i feel like so much has happened in this world between this Mm -hmm. and the next one um because you know normally you would have said okay well they kind of teased it at the end and it'll be the the stepford wives and adam warlock (laughs) you know whatever it's going to be like i feel like it'd be a natural flow but then when you think about like just how so many things happen between this like and the next five one. years have passed. Oh, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, basically. Tons of stuff. Thing. When you think, I mean, everything that's gone on to all these people, like it'll be interesting to see if they do just more of a clean regroup or reset, or if it is, um, you know, if it does play off what they set up here. Mm-hmm. Well, they do yeah. have a passenger with them when we get to the third movie. That that's true, done. too. Yeah. Do they do anything with that? Right. Do what they do, do with... mm-hmm. So, yeah. Who's cosmic? There'll probably be some backstory or something, but we'll get there when we get there. <clears throat> All right, so I guess that brings us to awards. And uh, favorite character besides the main? Who um, are we saying is the main? Quill? Yeah, yeah it's I'll kind take of the main. I would say Yon. Uh, it's it's got to be Baby Groot. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with Nebula. That's good. Did I say Nebula for the first one, though? Probably. Probably. I really like Nebula. 
Nebula or Yondu. It's kind of a toss-up. Or Ego. <laughs> I really like the all Cash or Tango. I <laughs> the duck. How are the duck? I think it's Yondu for me, given the ending. Yeah. Stop. Ah, uh, damn it. Um, yeah, Yondu and Nebula to me like one A and one B. But I'm gonna go with Nebula because she really, uh, she was she is so tortured that she completely turned, changed the way she her, her outlook of not just still wanting to go after her dad, but now realizing, hey, maybe I shouldn't be such a bitch, and I have all this this help that down the line I'm probably going to need to do what I want to do. So, um, plus Karen Gillan's great. So I, I, I like, I have to go with Nebula, but again, like I said earlier, Michael Rooker, when he really dives into a character is fucking amazing. So, Mm. um, but I'm going to go with Nebula. All right. So favorite scene, obviously for me, by the way, I I just want to throw out a quick, the one thing we missed when ego tells him about the cancer, the brain cancer, Mm -hmm. it was also the, um, he destroys the Walkman. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, which was like awful too. It was yeah, like a that double was play. like that even was more rough. asshole. Like that's yeah. the one yeah. tie he had to his mom. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So favorite scene's got to be the <laughs> the breakout <laughs> killing everybody scene. I almost feel like we have to pick something other than that because we're all gonna. No, I refuse. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Ravager funeral. Yeah, me going too. To Ravager... Okay. Yeah, me too. Um, I mean, probably the breakout, but. See, I probably said that for the Yondu scene in the first one. It's probably. like <laughs> so? either that or the or Nebula and uh, Gamora's fight with the giant gun. Oh yeah, that was good too. Um, least favorite character? Do we say that? I don't know. Um, face for face. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he sucked. And yeah, they way too much, way too much uh, screen time with that joke. Yeah, yeah. Favorite song. Yeah, I kind of liked everybody else. Uh, favorite song. Favorite Ooh. song. I think the chain was the best the one. They did. Special edition category for this. Yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. Chain. Yeah, I'm kind of pissed too because uh, one of the best songs on that second soundtrack uh, wasn't even used in the movie. It was used in the trailer, and that's uh, "Fox on the Run" by Sweet, which I think is mm. a great '70s mm. hit. Fox on the Run, and it was a great. It was, I and mean, it was only in the trailer. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna hear this in the movie. That's awesome. And we don't. It's only in the trailer. Mr. Blue Sky to open the movie was great, too. That was yeah. yeah. And the chain and uh, uh, Link Campbell, Southern Nights. My, I mean, it's just amazing. All right. So our... Get, uh, you could say uh, Cat Stevens, father and son, for your oh, dad God. feeling. Oh, God. <laughs> your dad feeling. Jenny's all in on that. <laughs> Fuck that song. Oh. Brandy? Oh. I, I, I really like it. Grade. Tim, what did you end up with? Oh, okay. My number. Um, all right. So I, I like this uh, a skosh better than the original. Oh. Um, I don't know if that's a controversial take. It, I guess we'll find out. But um, let me get to the uh, spreadsheet. Wow. So I gave the, yeah, I gave the first one, uh, let's see, eight and a quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to give this sequel eight and a half. All righty. What about you, Justin? So I gave the first one a nine, and I'm also higher on this one. And I will tell you that for a while, I had this at a 10. Wow. Because of the Ravager funeral, the end bumped it for me. (laughs) I thought the ending was so perfect that it was like the best ended movie in this world. 
then other movies, at least four that came after this that made me readjust. Um, but I'm still high at nine and a half. Uh, I just thought it was really well done. Like you heard it as we talked through all the awards, right? Like, well, there's nine options for best, act, you know, best actor. Mm-hmm. There's like no options for worst actor. There's like mm-hmm. seven options for best scene. Oh, what? There's eight great songs. Like, like it's, I, I mean, I think it, it, I think to this point, like outside of winter soldier, I, like I have a tied with civil war is like my favorite. Like, like I just think it's almost like a perfect one of these movies. Like, the story was really good. It made sense. There was a ton of character development. They planted seeds for the future. It was funny. It was heartfelt. Like it, it had everything that you would want. You know what else? <laughs> it's not to, I guess, to piggyback off of that a little bit. Um, I kind of like that it's not super beholden to the overall mythology. We talked about how it, it doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't really do anything with the Infinity stones or the infinity saga really but i'm like totally okay with that i don't need to see thanos in this movie i don't need to find out where the soul stone is i don't Mm -hmm. but they did they did enough to to still be a big part of like if you didn't have this a bunch of what happens later probably isn't as you know what i mean like which is a a good middle ground right because mm -hmm. it's like yes we didn't have it hammered in but they did mention thanos a couple times here and there and they did develop nebula enough to where she could be a heavy enough character to play the role she does later on. Right. And same with Gamora and Peter, like having their relationship expounded upon comes into play big time later. So like, there's a lot of stuff that happens in here that does end up setting up. It's, it's valuable world building, even if it's not pushing the plot forward. Like if we had just done guardians one, and then the next time we saw them was infinity war. I I don't think we would feel like we really Mm. spent enough time with them. Like be like, Oh yeah, these guys, we like them, but It'd be like, uh, like, why are they in this movie? So, like, we wouldn't right. care for them so much, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I think it's an air-perfect movie for what they're trying to do. Like, I don't... Mm-hmm. And I definitely liked it better than the first one. So what was your score? Nine and a half. Nine and a half. All right. What about you, Scott? Uh, I gave the first one uh, seven and three quarters. And uh, I love this one. Maybe a notch below... Just a scoosh below the the first one. I, I loved uh, the character development of everybody, but the the emo in the in the end is just good. I understand that at least that portion of the movie got us to the incredible Ravager funeral, which definitely, like Jr. said, sticks in my mind um, uh, as a as a uh, an iconic moment in this universe. Um, but having said that, I really was taken aback by just everybody just dumping everybody's feelings, like just empty at all. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like it almost took away from the abs, the actual point of getting, you know, you know, this is a big deal. Like if, if, if his dad comes through with his plan, you know, everything's fucked. So I feel like that that the uh, the the emotional part of it with the almost took a little bit away from what we needed to see at the end. But having said that. It's still a great movie. I'll say seven and a half. Uh, I have a feeling I'm going to love the third one, just based on how things are structured at the moment. Hey, you get up to eight on that one, maybe. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe, but um, you know, it is what it is. And give everybody nines, but seven and a half, good movie, solid. All right. So, like, I struggle a lot with this one, and 
one of my one of my favorite things about the entire MCU is how rewatchable most of it is. Um, but I just cannot put this movie in any kind of rewatchable category. Um, <laughs> you don't want to put yourself through that again. And, and well, that's I a you thing, not a it's thing. a me thing. And that everything that I do is, you know, all this shit is, is subjective to me. So um, I'm going to go eight, which is good. I think for me, because it is the same score I gave Iron Man and I can rewatch that movie a billion times. So I think it's high enough to give it the respect that it deserves, but also dings it a little bit mm-hmm. um, just for personal reasons. Um, so I feel like eight's pretty fair. So you and Scott are, are a little bit lower than the original. Mm-hmm. Me and Justin a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So we, yeah, we kind of split down the middle there. All right. Do we want to do the whole ranking overall, or do we want to skip that this time? <laughs> I could probably do it quick. All right. Let's read them quick. All right. Somebody read. You don't, all. Have to do, or you don't have to give the scores. You can just go in order. Well, no, put them right, in so, order so I can. Yeah. Okay. There. Yeah. All right. So Scott, Scott's ranking from worst to best: Due to Shit World, <laughs> Hulk, Ultron, Iron Man three, Ant Man, Thor, Avengers, Civil War, Guardians two. Cap, First Avenger, Guardians 1, uh, and then 8 and up for him is Iron Man 2, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, and then Scott, your highest at 9 and 3 quarters is Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. That's the only one that breaks 9 so far for you. Yep. Uh, Tim, your worst is Hulk, then Doo Shit, and then Iron Man 3, Doctor Strange, Ant-Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, that's your eight or below. Uh, Ultron, Guardians 1, Guardians 2, and Cat vs. Avenger. And then for nine and above, you have Winter Soldier, Iron Man, Civil War, and a perfect ten for Avengers. And then for me, I have Hulk, then Dark World, then First Avenger. Then uh, my eights and up are Ant-Man, Thor, Iron Man, Doctor Strange, Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, and then my nines and above are Guardians 1, Avengers, Ultron, Guardians 2, Civil War. And then a perfect 10 for me is Captain America, Winter Soldier. And then Jenny, you have Hulk at a 2. Yep. Uh, and then Dark World, <laughs> then Cap vs. Avenger, then Doctor Strange, Iron Man 2, Ant-Man, Thor. And then 8 and above is Iron Man, Guardians 2, Avengers. And then your nines, Iron Man 3, Guardians 1. Ultron, Cap, Civil War, and Cap, Winter Soldier. Both at nine and a half. Mm. So, so, believe it or not, we only have eight left. Yeah. Wow. How about our uh, composites here? So, Justin, you are leading the pack in mm-hmm. your average here of an 8.3. And oddly enough, I sort of maybe surprised myself. I am... <laughs> Just behind you with a seven point that ten that ten helps. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess I I broke out the ten early. Although I think I'm contractually obligated to lower that since Josh yeah. is cool. Yeah, um, we have to. Yeah. Um. Oh well. Seven point seven six is uh my um, average. Jenny, you are not far behind me with a seven point five six. Scott with um. 7.35 not as high as the rest of us 
And I think it makes sense that I'm higher only because it does. Because well, I don't know what's coming when I'm ranking right. these, right? Like mm. you guys kind of know, like, oh, I know Endgame and Infinity War, and be like, whatever, you know, whatever the fuck. Like later, it's like so <clears> you kind of were able to adjust early, whereas maybe a second trip through for me, like I would maybe adjust a little bit knowing what I know mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. There are ones I did go back and fix, like this one. You know, was an example. Right. Like, like I said, I was a ten for a while, and then I flipped it back. So, and I think that's not the only one I've done that for. But I think you've done that for all of them. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's all. But there, there was a couple I went back, and I bet I had like a nine. I went back to an eight or so. You know, as I went along. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but I've definitely. I only have three below, below eight. <laughs> I mean, other than that, I'm eight and a quarter or higher on most of them. Well, I'm glad that we finally got to this movie in the journey, in the journey. Um, so hopefully we can be back a little bit quicker on the next visit. Uh, in the meantime, Scott, what have you got um, that you want to talk about? Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at uh, PTV Podfather and check out everything uh, on the PTV Wrestling uh, Network feed. All good stuff. Um, Tim, what about you? Well, for more MCU-based content from me, uh, check out Pop Goes to the Couch on the Place Me Nation Pop Experience. That is where I'm part of the panel on that show. Great show where we, on a weekly basis, review episodes of, right now, Falcon and Winter Soldier, which is just about wrapping up. Uh, So we're due to record our reactions to that finale. We're going to have a little bit of a break, um, although we'll be covering some other non-comics-based content uh, before Loki kicks up in June. Um, so take, check that out. Pop goes to the basement. Place me nation. <laughs> there it is. There it is. For all basement dwelling. Just a basement. Fan voice. Yep. Yeah. Pop goes to the couch on Place me nation. Pop experience. What about you, Justin? Or it's not connection.podbean.com. Check it out. JT the Pod Guy on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Jenny Position on Twitter, and I have a Facebook page. Um, on the feed, you will have a new episode of Bianca's First Time. We watched Dazed and Confused, so that was a fun one to introduce her to. Sounded like it left you all dazed and confused. Well, she, she, I was dazed, and she was confused, so that worked out. <laughs> um, there should be a new episode of Hot Tokes as well. Vanessa and I um, reliving our 420 glories. Um, so that's fun. And uh, for my wrestling stuff, you can find it on the Placement Nation Wrestling Network and uh, North South Connections. So find me there. And thank you for listening to The Journey. <laughs>